Hey there, friends. How's it going? My name is Kyle Devlin, and I am the host of this podcast. This is the Having a Blast podcast. Having a Blast is a pop punk and emo podcast where we'll be doing a deep dive on important albums and bands. We'll also be speaking with band members, producers, and friends. If you happen to like what you hear, if you could do me a huge favor, perhaps give us a five-star review. That just really helps get the algorithms working in our favor, and then more people can hear the podcast. Or Another thing that really helps us out is if you share it with a friend. If you've got a friend that enjoys this type of music, pop punk and indie, I'd greatly appreciate it. All right, without further ado, let's get into it. friends. On today's episode, I'm very excited to be chatting with Mr. Nick Thompson, the singer and songwriter for the band Hit the Lights. Nick is also the singer and main songwriter for his project Thief Club, and they're amazing as well. You should definitely check them out. I first heard Hit the Lights in 2005, and I've been a big fan ever since. Hit the Lights has put out four full lengths, and they're all amazing. Nick and I have crossed paths a few times over the last 10 years or so, and we talk about some of those random connections. I remember running into him at an Alkaline Trio, Newfound Glory co-headlining show in Columbia, Missouri, of all places. We discuss what it was like growing up in Ohio, forming Hit the Lights, navigating the challenges associated with going from guitar to lead vocals, and we also discuss what it's been like working with such a wide array of producers and how that carries over and influences Nick's production today. I had a lot of fun speaking with Nick. He's about as down-to-earth and humble as they come. I really appreciate him taking the time to chat with me. So without further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging combo with none other than Nick Thompson from Hit the Lights and Thief Club. How you doing, man? Good, man. Good. I'm great. Good to see you. Enjoyed my coffee and had my morning on the porch. I'm ready to go. Radical, dude. Are you in Ohio? I am in South Carolina. South Carolina. Okay, cool. Yeah, about hmm. five years. Okay, red. That's a great place too. Yeah, yeah I've, that's great. I, I'm a personal trainer and I trained somebody and she went and lived in North Carolina for many years. So we talk about that area of the world quite a bit. Yeah, but. it's great. I mean, the coast stuff is great. It's like both North Carolina and South Carolina, they're big states. So like there's a, a whole in the middle place too that's just ohio but hotter but the coast yeah. is great <laughs> <laughs> yeah you might appreciate that actually that warmer i do weather. very much yeah yeah i feel you well i just wanted to thank you for taking the time to chat with me today i've just got a list of questions here so if you see me periodically look over at my phone that's what i'm doing sure i'm a huge fan of your band your work and your production but first things first We've got to talk about the 80s. What year were you born, if you don't mind I, me asking? I was born in 1984. Okay, so we're the same age. What month? May. May. Okay, cool. Yeah, it was January 1984. Specifically, I wanted to talk about Gleaming the Cube. Yeah. Because I always assumed that Hit the Lights was in reference to Metallica. Sure. Because I know you guys are into riffs and stuff, and I know you guys mm -hmm. grew up listening to Metallica and Pantera and all that, and I did too, so that makes sense. But I was reading last night in preparation for this. I noticed somewhere it said that one of you guys said that the name is actually in reference to Gleaming the Cube. Yeah, so like what happened was actually before... 
I was even in the band. Hit the Lights existed, and I was just the second guitarist that came in later because I had known the guys from previous bands that we would tour with in Ohio. But they actually got the name. They had asked a friend that was in like a, another band. They're looking for a, a band name, that, and the dude was like, I've always liked the name Hit the Lights. And they essentially just sort of like, okay, we'll use that name. <laughs> and that's how they got okay. the name. And it, it was stuck. a reference to Gleam in the Cube, but it literally was just a, a recommendation from a friend over what they should call their band. <laughs> okay, cool. Awesome. Did you grow up watching that movie? Hmm. Yes, absolutely. That and uh, there was another rollerblade movie. I'm trying to think it was Airborne. Airborne. Thank you, dude. Oh, okay. So (laughs) this is great. This this is an an amazing segue, Nick. I just want to thank you because I was literally I was trying to figure out a way I could reference this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that you're into rollerblading. You're doing it now and you did it as a kid, which is really rad, you know, because there were so many people that were into skateboarding and I was always terrible at skateboarding. Same. But I loved that movie. I was obsessed with that movie. Oh yeah. I mean, it's a really silly movie to be fair. Like, I haven't it's not... seen it in a while. I'm, I'm, I have no doubts that it doesn't withstand the test of time necessarily, <laughs> but that uh, from the nostalgia aspect of it. Yeah. Like that was, we were, we grew up in Ohio, like same thing. I was fucking awful at skateboarding. I got a skateboard early, tried and tried to pick it up. I had a really cheap one. So it had like the, the pop metal trucks. Um, yep. So like I, one day I was doing an Ollie thing and it broke and I was like, fuck skateboarding. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I picked up uh, skating and you know, we were in just a, a, you know, a bumfuck town in the middle of Ohio that didn't have a lot. So that's what we had to do. We wouldn't, you know, we'd skate morning, day, night, we'd skate. And like I said, we're obsessed with the movies like Glean Cube and uh, Airborne. Yeah. And yeah. But as far as skating now, I went to Ohio for a friend's birthday and they took me to a skate park. So I, that was like my first time skating in like 20 years. And it was oh, much cool. different. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what I saw on your Instagram. Yeah. But I, I'm sure it is a lot different. Yeah, absolutely. The falling down. Falling down is much different now. Yes. <laughs> it feels much different. Did you ever search your town for Devil's Backbone? Did you guys have your own version of that? Gigantic hills? Yes, we had a couple of big hills. But all in all, it was mainly like finding old schools and uh, like old police station stuff had the best rails and kind of areas to uh, to wax up curbs and stuff. But we didn't have a lot. We didn't have any skate park in our area at all. So it was all street skating. And you say we had some big hills for sure. Okay. And this is in Lima, Ohio. This is in Sydney, Ohio, which is about 40 minutes South of Lima, but still on I-75. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah. I've been to Ohio a few times just playing in bands and stuff. I'm sure you have. I think we played Dayton, Cincinnati. The the big ones. Right there on 75, the 75 line. Red. Very cool. I think it was probably maybe a couple of years ago now, but there was somebody, it was a fan who hit up Jack Black and he made this really elaborate art piece dedicated to Airborne and he gave it to Jack Black and he posted <laughs> it on his Instagram. Awesome. I, I don't know why, like I still make references to that silly movie. It's just, it's so dumb. I, I tell my partner all the time, the second that's back on Netflix, we have to watch it because it was yeah. on Netflix at one point. Yeah. Silly Seth Green. Yeah. I have to revisit it. And uh, like I said, just for nostalgic purposes. Yeah. 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 Anytime I'm watching anything from the eighties, that's kind of what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to like hit those nostalgia buttons. Some of that was actually filmed in Cincinnati as well. Really? So I think, yeah, there are a couple of spots you can still visit in Cincinnati where they filmed that. And then I think for like the really big hill scenes, they did it in San Francisco, I believe. San Francisco. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. 
Very hilly town. Yeah, Very hilly. that's awesome. <laughs> Devil's backbone. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, cool. So going back to your childhood, what was that like? I mean, what was the first album you remember really just hardcore jumping into or something that maybe you identified with, or maybe it was a first riff that you really connected to? I think the first major album was my dad would take me to school and he would listen to, we'd listen to a lot of tapes. My dad was a musician growing up. He sang in a lot of bands and stuff, kind of 80s, 80s pop bands. So he had this record by 38 Special. And in the early 80s, they had this album come out. It was called Rock and Roll Strategy. And a lot mm-hmm. of people know 38 Special for obviously a lot of their more like Southern pop rock influence. But this record in general, Rock and Roll Strategy, was essentially just a big pop album. It's great. I still listen to it to this day. There's a lot of really great ballads and stuff on it. I think they had their biggest hit on there, a song called Second Chance that did really well. But I remember that that album, you know, just kind of learning what hooks are and stuff and listening to my dad sing harmony before I knew what harmony was. So I was like, wow, he's singing. He's not singing the same thing that they are, but it sounds really good. What is that? And kind of understanding what it was to make harmonies and stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's an album that has stuck with me forever. I still listen to it. My dad came last Sunday to visit and I had that album rocking and we were rocking to it right. so as far as like first albums i connected to again that was probably like maybe five or six and that's one of the first albums that stood out that i loved i would rock in the basement to it with like a yardstick as my guitar and, <laughs> uh i just love it and i still love it to this day there's some great great songs on there and again it's one of those albums that no one really knows about that band but one that that's really close to me cool. yeah and then as far as records then that kind of changed my life after that I had a really hard time. I, I skated and I hung out with a lot of kids that skated, but they would listen to a lot of stuff, anything from like Pearl Jam. Deftones is actually one of the ones I listen to. I still listen to today. But back then yeah. I was kind of trying to find my footing on what I liked. And I just kind of went along with what my friends liked. Mm-hmm. So like bands like Pearl Jam, which now I just, I hate Pearl Jam. <laughs> but back in the day, I thought it's just what I had to listen to because what my friends listened to. Sure. And one night I was over, I didn't have cable growing up, but my cat is making noise right now. Zoe, come on. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but I was with my grandma. She had cable and MTV came on and Blink-182, the video for Damn It yeah. was on. And I heard that riff and I was just like, what's this? Yes. What's this? You know, there's sure. magic everywhere. And uh, <laughs> from that, I was like, I immediately had to go check this band out. And that band was obviously Blink-182. And I found Dude Ranch. And at the time, I didn't even know it was punk. I called it a uh, surfer rock. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it just made me think of, you know, I saw them, you know, they would play like the skate fest and stuff on MTV and stuff. And yeah. uh, so, and then from there, I would just read their thank you notes. And then the liners, I would just see all these bands they would thank. And I'd just go and buy albums from those bands, anything from No Effects, MXPX, Unwritten Law, you know. And from there, that just opened up a whole new world and really my love for what was to become pop punk. Yeah, absolutely. Damn it. That riff. I mean, it's iconic at this point. I feel like that sort of embodies the pop punk riff. Sure. It's so melodic. It's classic blink, especially that album. There was just, there was those riffs all over the place. I think at one point, Mark said that he was just trying to write, whether it be the melodies and the words or the guitars, they were trying to basically redo lullabies things that just instantly get stuck in your head that are just so undeniably catchy and simple. Oh, interesting. Um, I remember watching them play. It was like a, an X games thing on MTV in 1997. It was them and the offspring. Yes. And I, I, I feel well. like that was my introduction to damn it. Yeah. And what's funny too, about that song is, you know, that's 
one of the only songs where Mark has like really pushed vocals, you know, the rest, yeah. you know, Mark doesn't push his vocals that hard, but for that one, you know, he was really yelling in, you know, that whole time. And uh, I remember like realizing later on, it's like, this is the only song where he pushes his vocals like that. You never hear it in that aspect in any other Blink song. And he's always has the more, you know, subdued, you know, melodic, lower uh, registry, softer, lower registry to his voice. And then that one is totally different. And it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And his voice sounds cool like that too, where he does. does kind of push it. You know, I've heard him kind of experiment with that recently. He goes a little bit higher in some of the simple creature stuff. And then a couple of his cameos for some of the Feldman stuff that he's done, but you're right. That is kind of a Tom song, you know, it's more yeah. in his wheelhouse. It's interesting to think what the decision-making behind that was, you know, I'm wondering if that was their decision or if he just happened to write that song or, you know, maybe Mark Trombino you know, had a hand in that, but that's true. Even in, if you go back in Cheshire, he's singing all the really low parts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's, it's kind of funny how low he is. He's, it's almost like he's just talking. So did you remember listening to Dookie? Were you exposed to that beforehand? Or was that along with what was on the radio with the grunge scene as well? Yeah, I think it was. But I always liked Green Day. You know, I loved the Dookie album. I'd say that. And like even bands like Third Eye Blind, which I really didn't develop a true appreciation for until later on. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that was always on there, too, along with, you know, Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill. Oh, yeah. All those kind of that that era of that alternative pop that was on radio and pop radio. I still liked all that stuff, too. But, you know, you're in that age where you're like, you just want to be different. I had my alien Massimo shirts and my Jinko jeans and, <laughs> and my ball chain necklaces. And, you know, you really wanted to be like you wanted to listen to that music that nobody else did you know, new. Yeah. You know, that was kind of the, the, the flair of it. like, I'm an outsider. You know, I got, I dyed my hair. I'm, I'm different. I'm special. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's what made those bands exciting. You mentioned Deftones. Deftones. I feel like I heard around the fur, maybe just before I discovered dude ranch. Yeah. And absolutely. that kind of third wave pop punk, but also into the skate punk realm. Yeah. I was like you, I started discovering comps and listening to all the fat wreck and epitaph bands. And then obviously the warp tour kind of exploded from there. So it was all a culmination of that time period and that scene. Fast forward a little bit. I'm sure you played in a lot of bands. I noticed that you guys hit the light specifically was three bands in one or members from three different local bands. And then you guys joined forces around, was it 2003 when you guys formed? Yes, they formed 2003. I joined in 2004. Okay. So I guess technically like I had my high school band and there were just kind of members that went in and out of that. So really it was the same iteration, the same band just, you know, with members coming in and out. And then we broke up and we had obviously, we played shows at the time. Colin and Omar were in a band called Goodbye Session. And that was when uh, I was in my band. So we would play shows together and have a great time. We were good friends. Goodbye Session broke up. My band broke up. And they ended up starting Hit the Lights, you know, bringing in uh, Dave. David played in a couple other bands, but he was always a good friend that would come out to shows. And then they had Ryan. Ryan was in another band from Lima as well in the past. So they kind of like made this amalgamation of different bands from that area and ended up meeting a or deciding they wanted another guitarist. And that's where I kind of came into the picture because I was still writing some music on the side by myself. And they had heard some stuff and liked it and asked me to join. And that's how it happened. Cool. Awesome. Was it a situation where, I mean, maybe not, maybe I'm assuming things, but was it kind of like a super group of local band members? The bands that you were in previously, had you guys not really got your feet wet? Were you guys playing a bunch of shows and touring? We were playing, we were barely touring. When I say touring, we go like a little outside, you know, like the state. We were from Ohio. So like we play shows in West Virginia or Indiana or Michigan or, you know, Chicago, maybe being the furthest, you know, like the weekend dates, that kind of stuff. 
I mean, it yeah. wasn't until Hit the Lights that we really started like making it a goal to get out. And, you know, we wanted to start, you know, I think our, our main goal for Hit the Lights was we just wanted to sell out a Knights of Columbus Hall show in Chicago. If like we were able to do that, we, like we made it, you know, that's the, yeah. the top, the top brass of that. So, and obviously we were all from, you know, these towns in Ohio that was just cornfields and cows. So that definitely was something that motivated us to get out. You know, we wanted to see the world because there was nothing else to do. Um, sure. Yeah. So that was, I'd say a main factor, just wanting to get out. And every time we would on those weekends, we'd come back home and be like, man, I want to do that all the time. You know, it just kind of pushed us to keep working toward that goal. Yeah. And you graduated 02 or 03? Yep. Oh, two. Okay. So yeah, you guys were young. I mean, it was kind of like you graduated and then it was all systems go with hit the lights shortly yeah. after that. The first time I heard hit the lights was the until we get caught EP, the first EP, but you guys had an EP before that as well, right? You guys had recorded an EP and then the following year, 2005, you recorded until we get caught. Correct. And, and that was until we get caught was the first when, it, when I came aboard. So that was my oh, first cool. EP with the band. The other, uh, the, the something to write home about was recorded before I was in the band. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, cool. I love that title song. It's got a great opening riff. I think that was the first song I heard. It may have been on a compilation or something. It was on a Madden, uh, like a Madden game as well. Oh, okay, cool. It did really well and like really, really helped us out. Yeah, no, I'm sure it did. I actually didn't realize that, but maybe that's where I heard it. It's amazing what legs a song can get from a video game. You know, I think of Tony Hawk and how many careers that probably really catapulted. Even a band like Lagwagon, Lagwagon credits a lot of their success to getting May 16th on Tony Hawk, which is kind of crazy to me. I loved Lagwagon. That was one of my favorite bands around that time. It's just interesting to see how much notoriety you can get from something like that. I think of Goldfinger... What's the song? Superman. Everybody knows yep. that song from Tony yep. Hawk. Absolutely. Uh, and that's that like really kind of the start of that, you know, and what, what's the company called? It's in the game. Uh, what is the main company that did most of the EA? sports games? EA. Thank you. EA Sport. I could not remember that for the life. <laughs> um, but they, for a time, I know, I think Victory Records had like maybe a little contract with them or something else too, but like they really got into pushing all of these indie label bands. And it was really, really cool that they did that because obviously it, it went a long way and it helped out a lot of people, my band included. But I know so many bands that did so well just because of having a song on, on a video game. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah, that is cool. It makes you think that maybe somebody higher up was a fan and maybe it was a situation where it was easier to deal with the indie labels than it was the major labels. Absolutely. You know, I, I think that's music. definitely a big part of it for sure. Yeah. And did you guys record? I've always wondered this. Did you guys record until we get caught with Matt Squire? No, we actually recorded until we get caught with Mark, a guy named Mark McCluskey, who was down in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, he ended yeah. up moving to Chicago and doing a lot of bands out of there. Um, yeah, he's but, great. He's done a bunch of punchline records, I believe. Did you do punchline? He's done a couple punchline. of theirs. They've did mentioned he? him a couple times. Okay. Yeah. Talented, talented guy. And then from there, you know, we released until we get caught with our friend Joey's label. And from there, I think we, we did really well on things like smart punk sites like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, just garnered, started garnering label attention from there. And then Matt Squire yeah. ended up doing our, our debut record. This is red. Yeah, absolutely. And what was that process like? I'm sure that was exciting. Oh, it was. And Matt it was Squire wonderful. was relatively new, right? Like he was, he was, he had, we, we had, he had done records for uh, the receiving of sirens and he had done Pollyanna, the North star record that we loved a lot. And he was already kind of in with our label head, Fred Feldman, also an amazing dude. We had a great team. And what's, what's best is he had just moved down to Bellsville, Maryland. He had moved into the old, what was the old salad day studio, which was Brian McTurnan's old studio. Yeah. Um, and Brian McTurnan had done so, so many records out of, out of that studio that 
that we loved. So it was really cool to be in that area and, you know, know that bands like, you know, Cave In and Fairweather and Thrice and honestly, more bands than you could ever, ever imagine record there. And that was our first kind of major experience being in with a producer that like picked apart songs and helped us restructure things. And it was a really, really cool time. It was awesome. It was a lot yeah. of fun. I'll bet, man. I bet it was exciting. I found out the other day that Matt Squire, in working with Brian McTernan, he recorded the drums for artists in the ambulance. I had no yes. idea. He yep. engineered it. That's insane. I mean, that's really cool. You guys are probably big Thrice fans too, I would imagine. Absolutely. You just threw out a ton of bands that I am huge fans of. Fairweather, oh, I feel like they were a totally underrated band. Oh, so good. So that good. record they did with Brian McTernan, so good. Yep. They had a couple of really good records, but like the, the list of bands that that uh, had come out of that Salad Day studio, and I'm not for sure what, I forget what Squire ended up naming it, but just the list of bands is just it, too many. So, so, so many to, to mention, but yeah. all, it just, it was really cool. It was like being in, you know, with royalty and you're like, wow, yeah. this room recorded those drums. And these guys are sitting right here when they made some of my favorite stuff. It was very cool. Yeah. Legends for sure. I'm sure that was maybe overwhelming in a good way. And then you guys hit it hard. You guys were touring a ton shortly after that, your debut full length. It came out in 2006. Yes. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. April the year after the EP. Yep. Yeah. And then of course, I'm sure in interviews, you've probably talked about this to death. Colin, the first singer of the band, he decided to leave the band and exited a year later in 2007. And I'm pretty sure that I've read that you guys originally planned on finding another singer. Can mm-hmm. you talk about that? Just the, he decided to leave. You guys had probably made peace with that. And then you wanted to continue the band. But at first you weren't planning on singing. Were you no. guys planning on getting another person was, to take on his role? Yeah, I was more, I, I liked playing guitar and I liked singing backup. I was perfectly happy with that. Maybe it was brought up once or twice, me singing, but it was just out of the question. Like I had no training in the singing, you know, I, I could sing backup and I was very happy with that. I think we just figured, you know, with MySpace booming and stuff that there is just so many options out there of people and it would be, you know, easy for us to find someone else, you know, being that our, our band had kind of established itself and gotten a, a fair bit of attention, but it ended up being a lot more difficult than we thought. I think mainly because there's obviously a lot of talented vocalists out of there, but finding people that really meshed with us as people was, was really important too, because obviously you're being in a band is a complete social experiment, especially when you're on the road for months at a time. Uh, That's one way to describe it for sure. Yeah. So there were a couple really cool prospects that just ended up not working out because they didn't want to go the direction we had. Cause at the time we were writing for skip school and we had written a lot of the, you know, the songs that mm-hmm. ended up being on skip school. So we were looking for someone whose voice really matched that. And I think it was over probably a seven to eight months where we just realized, you know, we're just, our band's just sitting here and dying if we don't do anything. And kind of last ditch effort, we ended up doing a couple of demos out in around Philly with the gentleman who had done the first four year strong record. And oh, cool. yeah, kind of on a whim, I think Omar had been talking to Rob Freeman from Hidden Plainview about because he knew he did like demos and stuff. And he's like, hey, we, we should do something with Rob Freeman. So we went out and we ended up. Oh, I'm sorry. What, what happened was we had demoed with Rob Freeman uh, with Colin for some first of those first songs from skip school, which were don't wait, stay out and drop the girl and had a really great time with him doing that. So then as we were getting ready to uh, try out me singing, we went up and recorded a cover song with Rob Freeman of scandals, the warrior Mm -hmm. and kind of put that out 
And we just did that to gauge the reaction, what people thought. And a lot of people responded really well, I think, because I was already in the band. So I was a familiar face anyway. And so people responded really well. And I think Fred Feldman, our label guy, kind of gave us the option and a lot of freedom with it. And we said, we want to do this record with Rob so we can just spend time and make the record that we want. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. We gave it our best shot. And uh, kind of the rest is history. That's really smart. I think that's really intelligent because you've probably heard of A-B testing, what companies will often do when they're putting out a new product or even people these days, if they're their own entity, they might put out a sales page. They're trying to sell something and mm-hmm. there might be a template as far as what they're writing or what it looks like. And they'll test different versions of it. And then they'll go with the one that has the best response. So yeah. it's almost like you guys were putting feelers out there. You guys had already established yourself. So you had this fan base, but then to throw it out there just to see what the reaction would be, you know, and you yeah. guys would probably know pretty quick. Even then with the internet, I'm sure they were going to let you know. And that's cool that it was positive. It was received positively. That was probably a good validating feeling for you, albeit probably still a little scary. Oh Um, yeah, it was terrifying. I did not want to sing. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm sure. Well, to be a front man too, like you said, you're a guitar player. Like that's almost like a sense of security. You've got that guitar. You know, I know what that feels like. Absolutely. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of responsibility and a lot of pressure. You know, if you're sick, your guitar sounds the same regardless. Yeah. But, you know, if you don't have a voice or whatever that it's, you know, you're done. Your whole band can't play. So it's a lot of pressure and a lot of responsibility that I certainly didn't want. <laughs> sure. And it was probably a little nerve wracking putting out that cover. Right. Do you remember how you felt then? I, I you know what? Like I, it was so long ago now. I don't I'm sure I was very nervous, though. Um, and I know we were ecstatic at the response just because we didn't really have a plan after that. You know, we didn't okay. have anyone lined up because everything else just didn't didn't work that way. So, like I said, the, the fact that it all kind of kismet and all came together is, is a really cool thing. Yeah. And my next question, I was going to say, you guys put out a classic record right after that. Skip School is just an amazing record. I listened to Thank it yesterday you. and it just it still sounds amazing to me. It was a great time in my life just discovering that record. What was it like recording those vocals? You said you went in with Rob. You probably had a little bit more time to really dial it in the way you wanted it to, right? Yeah, we, we we put aside two months. So if we needed it, we could use it. And we really just made sure that all the songs were exactly how we wanted them. And obviously, you know, Rob, working with Rob was great too. He was so patient with me. And because it was a lot of it was figuring it out too, like figuring out what my voice is going to sound like. And if you yeah. listen to that record now, and I mean, obviously I can tell a lot more than anyone else, but I sound a lot different on that record because I didn't exactly know how to sing. You know, I didn't have my voice. I was still finding it. So- yeah that obviously took a lot of patience. Thankfully, I I have a really strong voice. So I was able to put in a lot of hours and do a bunch of harmonies because that's like my favorite thing to do. And Rob loves harmonies too. So we really had a lot of time to pick things apart and add cool oohs and ahs and all the production stuff that that album needed. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, I interviewed Rob a couple months ago on the podcast. I listened to it. Just listened to it on my dog walk the other day. Radical, dude. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate that. I really wanted to get him on because I feel like Hidden in Plain View, that's a band that I think gets overlooked sometimes. I mean, what a fantastic band. And that album, Life and Dreaming, just mm-hmm. such a killer record. Oh, dude, and I love Resolution really... too. Resolution yeah, Resolution is awesome record. too with Brian McTurnan. I revisit that one quite a bit too. It was such a bummer when I read that they were breaking up, but they were still releasing that record. So I think a yeah. lot of people missed that one. In um, the water. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. Yeah. That, that record is fantastic. I love it. 
Yeah, it really is. Yeah, great record. I'm hoping I can see them live at some point if they do some more reunion shows. Yeah, Rob's a really talented producer. I'm sure it was probably, there was a level of comfortability going in with him and being able to spend, like you said, two months. I have a weird connection. So you're friends with my old bass player, Josh Barber. Oh, I love Josh. Yes. Yeah. So I was in a band with him called The American Life and very random connection. I was talking earlier about Skip School and how that was kind of a pivotal time. We went and recorded with Zach Odom and Kenneth Mount as they were mixing your record. Yeah, absolutely. Josh has told me that story a couple of times too. It was kind of a cool thing because we went in and we were, I remember we showed up the first day and it was kind of like introduction. They were going to tell us how to get into the building at Tree Sound and everything. And we walk in and Zach is literally moving the faders on Skip School. And I go, what is this? This sounds rad. You know, and they're just blaring it through the speakers. Yeah. And they go, this is the new Hit the Lights with the guitarist singing lead now. And I was just like, this sounds rad. This is really cool. I had already heard your stuff. I was already a fan of it, but it was really cool and exciting. It was almost voyeuristic, you know? Like yeah, we were absolutely. Like, we were peeking in, but my whole band, we were just kind of obsessed with that record. And I think it was that record plus the making of our EP right after, which was a really exciting thing for us. It just transports us back to that time, listening to that album. Yeah, that's what. That's the beautiful thing about music. You know, it's got that, it's that magical little doorway where it just brings back all those memories and and with that all the feelings you have from from that time in your life whenever you're listening that's you know yeah one of the best parts about it absolutely for sure yeah and i gotta credit rob and those guys for that record because it still sounds great i was blaring it in my garage yesterday working out this is a good segue you've worked with several incredibly talented producers matt squire rob freeman zach odom kenneth mount john feldman mark trombino machine mike sapone kyle black i mean yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I have very so lucky. many questions, Nick. I, I'm not going to ask them all. I'm, I'm going to spare <laughs> you. But, oh God, man. Okay. I'm looking at my question and I'm thinking, Kyle, that's a really stupid question to ask. But wh- I mean, what was it like working with all these legends? It was, it was awesome. I think some, obviously we worked better than others with, but for the most part, I've had incredibly positive experiences with most producers. You know, there's maybe a couple negative things in there, but even then, just the fact that I got to work with some of my favorite producers is worth it all in itself. You know, the experience learned a lot all the time, always learned so much from them and watching them work and, and how they do it. And they all have their different ways of doing it, which is so cool. I'm just, I'm just thankful that we got to do such a wide variety of, of work with these producers and, you know, getting like the inside peek on how they, you know, how they did that. And in that way, putting that to how they worked with, you know, on the other records that we loved so much before we went with them. Sure. Yeah. And like I said, mostly all of them are just amazing people too. I've never had an experience where I'm just like, wow, that ruined every record for me that that guy did, you know? <laughs> okay, good. You didn't have a moment where it was, oh shit, maybe I shouldn't meet my heroes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not, not with that. Thankfully. I mean, there's a couple of moments where I'm just like, I probably don't want to do a record with them, but I'm regardless. So thankful of the experience of getting to do, you know, even a song with them, that kind sure. of thing. That's completely fair and it makes complete sense. And like you said, you learned a lot and it probably adds just a plethora of methodologies and concepts and ideas when it comes to your own production, I would imagine. Absolutely. And that's probably, I mean, that's a major benefit to working with you production wise and having you in the room, giving guidance because you have all these different experts who have taught you their process, so to speak over the years. Absolutely. And like through all this too, you know, especially a lot of it came with, you know, like when we were on universal, we get sent out to work with different songwriters and stuff too. And at the time, you know, when you're working with a different songwriter every other day or something, it can be like kind of turn your brain to mashed potatoes 
as far as, you know, pretty soon you have no idea how to write a song anymore because you have all these other people telling you how to write the song. But eventually it all kind of settles down. You know, the sediment kind of settles and you find your own way through that. And and you're able to kind of go through the supermarket of your brain, kind of pulling out different recipes or different ingredients that you might have used, you know, for one song and not another. And and, uh, again, that's something I'm so, so thankful that I had the experience to do. Yeah. You take what works and resonates with you and you discard the rest and then you you come up with your own variation of it. Yep. Yeah. You guys were co-writing with, I think my buddy, Ryan Key. Yep. From Yellow Card and Kenny from the starting line as well. I think I read that. I forgot about that. I forgot that you guys were working with other songwriters and things for Invicta. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. For like a two year period where they were just standing in with literally anybody. (laughs) That's really cool. Rob Delio Delio from Stone Temple Pilots was one of them. Like we had some random ass people, but like I said, very, still very cool experiences. That was one we went in and we're like, why are we with this dude? But we had a great time working with them and it was cool to, you know, be in like a a mega rock stars house, you know, where he has like a moon man in his bathroom and uh, get to hear all of his stories and stuff too. That kind of, that kind of experience was so, so weird to think about now, but it was, it was awesome. I can imagine, but very cool at the same time. Just, yeah. you know, just to say you did it. Stone yep. Temple Pilots, another great band that I grew up listening to. Yeah, very cool. So this is kind of a, <laughs> a weird logistic question, but for the EP after Skip School, what was kind of the thought process there? Because you did one song with Feldman and one song with Trombino. I guess I'm asking just for my own curiosity. Why was that? Was it just because you guys could and they had some time open or... Yes. So what it was, we ended up winning this Taco Bell contest called Feed the Beat, where people would vote on bands. And what they do, they gave us a large chunk of money to work with whatever producer we wanted. So with that money, we went out to California. We obviously Feldman was like a a huge name that we wanted to work with eventually, as well as Mark Trombino, you know, massive name that we wanted to work with. So we were just like, well, what if we took this money and did, you know, two songs with two different producers and it worked out where they were both available for that time. We were able to work with both of them and then do the rest of the acoustic songs and stuff with Rob. So it was kind of the best of all worlds put together. Yeah. I I probably would have done the same. I mean, that's pretty awesome. And you kind of got your feet wet to see how they work and how they operate. Yes. I love those two tracks. I mean, those two tracks, that EP comes on shuffle quite a bit and I'm just, I love this song. The other two songs, the covers that you guys did, who did you record those with? That was with Rob. Okay, Rob cool. Freeman. Yep. Those sound amazing. You guys do my favorite further song. That song's so great. Yes, dude. Thank you. And uh, yeah, Rob, again, Rob kicked ass. And it's cool that uh, people got a chance to hear him and how his mixes are. Yeah. Because it's much different from, you know, say Skip School that was mixed by Ken and Zach. And Rob's mixes are great. So I'm glad that we got to kind of show off what he can do too. Because like I said, I, I love, I think Rob's mixes are severely underrated. Yeah, those two songs in particular sound incredible still. Yes. The mix is really good. And then he's mixed the Thief Club stuff too, right? Yes. Which also well, sounds uh, amazing. Some of the stuff from the, yeah, the first Thief Club release. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, the first record, the first yep. full And then Josh Barber did some stuff for me as well. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, the cover of Sweetness, and then you put out an EP, right? A cover EP. Yep. Put it, I noticed EP. that you kind of combined those on Spotify. Is that right? Did I see that? Yeah, basically Greg Long from Weird Triumphant came along and he's like, hey, this stuff is great. Have you ever thought about releasing it like on a label? And I was like, not really. And he's like, well, here's what we should do. We should put these all together and make like one big release. And then, you know, I can help you push it. So that's why it just kind of made this giant one album catalog of of all the Thief Club stuff that was released, you know, up to that point. And yeah, uh, yeah cool that's way cool. to get, get 
more music out there and have a, an official release. Awesome. Yeah. And I love the artwork too. Well, cool. So Thief Club has put out, like we were just saying, the full length and as well as a new EP. And that came out last year. Was that officially released last year? Yes. Well, I think it was officially released this year. Okay. What was it? December. It was December of last year. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I knew it was close. It was teetering on maybe 2021. 20, yes. A split EP I did with some more of my friends. Um, Jay from previously from Just Surrender. He has a new band called... Uh, oh, yeah, band. With Abandon. Yep. So we did a little split where we did two new tracks and we just did a Smashing Pumpkins song, cover song. Rad. Yeah, and it's a really great cover. I, Thank I, you. I, I like the song that you chose. Yeah, Thief Club is great. Are you wanting to do more with Thief Club? Yes. I'm a... Uh, Recording a song myself now, and that's kind of been the thing I've been working on this new year is really kind of learning how to mix my own stuff, which has been a, an uphill battle, but something I needed to learn for a while. So currently, I'll probably go back to recording it after this interview here and hopefully have that out in the summer. And I'll just keep working on new stuff as well and release it whenever the hell I feel like it. That's great, man. You've got autonomy there. That's the coolest yes. thing about these days and probably the position that you're in, you have this vehicle through which you can get songs out and you can do whatever you want. I'm sure that's a freeing feeling. It is. And I was watching the clip from the mini documentary that you had on Instagram last night. And you were mentioning that Thief Club is essentially you and you have that autonomy, that freedom to essentially do whatever you want with the musical project. You can do different styles. You can experiment with sounds and things and people can go along for the ride. People who yep. are fans of you. That's really cool. It's got to be I mean, that's probably a good liberating place to be at this point in your career, your musical career. Absolutely. And at the same time, it can be like a, a safe space where, you know, sometimes it's a little too safe where I'll end up following into my uh, my friend Rick. He calls them Nick Nickisms or like it's just something that I just my patterns that I go into. So mm -hmm. um, what's nice about you know being with Hit Lights stuff, too, is you have four other people that are putting in their input and, and pushing each other to ways they might not necessarily go into. So on the other end of the spectrum, I do need that sometimes too. So Thief Club's a lot of fun and it's cathartic and I can do whatever the hell I want. At the same time, I probably won't get, you know, it's all going to be just me and I won't get those outside ideas that I think sometimes songs need. So it's, sure. the, it's the balance. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool that you've got an objective friend that can, we've all got our isms. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I remember when I was writing music more frequently, there would be like melodies that I would poach almost for myself. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> you already wrote that melody and it's just, that's what your brain kind of gravitates towards sometimes. Yep. That's those neural pathways good. that are, that are nice and fresh and wide and you just <laughs> do them very easily. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I love that you mentioned neural pathways. That's awesome. <laughs> that's rad. Well, cool. And then you've got some friends that you work with that you team up with to produce records too, right? Yes. Is it predominantly the same people or do you work with different people? Um, I would work with different people they wanted. Um, me and my friend Rick King, we we kind of we just got along, you know, from day one and uh, kind of both are able to, to get in and we uh, are on the same wavelength. So we've done a lot of stuff together just because, you know, we're a great team. But if it comes to it that someone else wanted to work with me, whatever, I, I'm also open to that, too. You know, it's not something yeah. like I need to be this or, you know, I, I can do a lot of stuff. And that's kind of what I've been working on now is just working with other people and you know, trying to uh, learn as I go too. always learning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's the journey as cliche sure. as it is. It's always good to that's learn the work, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Got to do the work. What are you using to record? What are you teaching yourself? Um, I, I just go with a uh, logic, logic pro X right now. Cool. Um, 
so that's been my main go-to and then kind of convincing myself that, you know, what plugins I need and, and don't need, there's a rabbit hole for that. Sure. And, uh, convincing myself that I need to be happy and learn to work with what I have first. And then, you know, there is no magic plugin that will automatically make your stuff sound better, but that's been like the real changes, you know, like going on YouTube university to try to find out, you know, how to make stuff sound better. And there's always like a plugin that someone's got that you need to get or something like that. Yeah. So it's just the, the nature of the beast. And, you know, there's always gonna be something that's super expensive that you need and sure. uh, trying to find again, that, that balance of what do you need and what do you need to just learn on getting better with? Because the truth is I have everything I need right here. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like working out. You kind of get into the supplement world. There's always a supplement. Sure. Absolutely. Always <laughs> a magic a supplement. supplement. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I remember I did the same thing. I was doing the YouTube university trying to learn Pro Tools. And I got pretty decent at recording music and just doing it all through the box. I was using Guitar Rig, you know, just thousands of guitar sounds. And I remember I had a really difficult time with vocals. Vocals were really, really tough. Absolutely. Yeah. And like learning, you know, cause there's like no the right way. It depends on the person's vocals and stuff too. And learning EQ and your frequencies. And there's, you know, a lot yeah. there, you know, it's not just pushing a space bar button. Of course, that's a lot to do with it, but then there's so sure. much afterwards and mixing and stuff is where I've, you know, really starting to, there's nothing you can do. You just have to throw yourself into it. And that's mm -hmm. the only way you get better. So, and I should have done a long time ago. And it's something that, you know, I would always love to lean on my friends and producers for, you know, I can just, give them ideas, fart it all out, get it recorded. And then I boss them around for the next month, trying to tell them <laughs> what I want it to sound like, which yeah. that's great. Getting a new perspective too on mixing and stuff now <laughs> and knowing that just thinking about my notes, my mixing notes to my friends <laughs> that I'd get. It's like, I'm sorry. You must've hated me so much. Cause I hate me with all this, <laughs> all the stupid shit. I'd try to explain to you how I want the sound, you know, it's, it's, it's hilarious, but really, really great to have that different perspective now. Yeah, I was going to say that's good perspective. And, Absolutely. Uh, I'm sure gratitude comes in there too. I'm sure you could reach out to Josh too. Josh is incredibly intelligent when it comes to all of the audio engineering stuff. He's Yes, we still talk very often. Uh, we talked actually about maybe doing something this summer as well. Awesome. Um, yeah. Very cool. He, he calls me on my birthday and stuff. I One of my favorite people in the world. Love him to cool. death. That's very cool. Rad. Yeah. And I remember we have a couple of random connections. You came in or just maybe random occurrences. You came into my old gym and we were doing squat tutorials and stuff. He used to come in because he, oh. he worked at a studio right behind the gym that I worked at. Yeah, absolutely. So you went, was it Sean as well? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Sean. So Sean was the singer of the American life and Sean right. and I were both personal trainers. So we were both at the gym that day. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I was very thankful to, to have that gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great gym. It's not there anymore, great. unfortunately. But yeah, it's always um, good to have a, especially when you're recording or you're just sitting in a room all day. It's it's wonderful to have a gym that you can go to in the morning and not feel like a total piece of shit as you're munching on pizza and energy drinks for the yeah. rest of the day in a dark room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being in a band. Yeah, I remember yeah, for exactly. sure. Are you still working out? Yes, or pretty trying frequently? to pretty frequently. I have a gym. I have a boxing gym. I go to that's nice and keeps me out of my comfort zone. But, you know, I, especially when you have to, I, I leave every now and again, now that you can take flights to do things. So it's constantly like getting into a nice routine and then falling out of the routine, then yeah. having to get back into it again. And, you know, the first day back at the gym is always the worst. <laughs> That's yeah, you're right. That's kind of the toughest part is re the recommitment. I always tell people that it's a commitment, but then you have to recommit and recommit and recommit until you're dead. Right. But Wonderful. When you have, you know, routines where, you know, you can get that nice, you have that 
that balance and, and, you know, you the stay flow. on it. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. trying to get back into it again. It's like, I know I need to go to the gym again after two weeks and it's going to suck so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's times where I'll take a week off, usually one per year, and then I'll go back to the gym and I'm just huffing and puffing. And I'm yep. like, oh yeah. Okay. This is good for me to do because it gives me some insight into what my people go through. The Absolutely. people that I'm training, if they take a week off, I might want to go easy on them the first couple of days, let them acclimate to moving again. Right. Yeah. And it's nice when I, you know, I've been, I've been working out since I was, I'd say 25. So it's nice that I do have like the muscle memory and I pop, I can pop back really fast, which is, which is good and not uh, something that everybody can do. Yeah. And I but think people, they often, it. they don't realize that it does come right back. You know, you it can, does. you can get away from the gym for a little while, but you're right. Exactly right. That muscle memory does come right back and they've kind of studied it to determine what people are able to bring back if they take a little time away from the gym. And it's, pretty miraculous. Like it how is. quickly people can get back in shape and things like that. The human body is, cool. is incredible. It's, yeah. it's incredible. Incredible and incredibly weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the more we learn about it, it's just like, holy shit, man, our body is just like this miracle thing. Well, cool, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I want to be respectful of your time. Thank you for giving me a portion of your Saturday. This is rad. Sure. Appreciate having me on. Do you have anything you want to plug for the listeners? I mean, I'm going to definitely plug Thief Club and I think more people, I have a lot of friends that are big fans of Hit the Lights and all the people in my old band, they all know who Thief Club is, but I think there's just so many people out there that they would really benefit from going back through that catalog and listening. Yeah. Well, I like to say like, if you like Hit the Lights, you'll like Thief Club. I think we'll end up probably putting that split. The whole thing will be out on Spotify in the next couple months, maybe. Um, and I'll be releasing some new Thief Club stuff soon. Hit the lights. We'll, we'll eventually record some new stuff. Our uh, guitarist, Kyle, just had another baby boy. So that's all nice. pretty fresh. And Kevin is plays in a band called Joy Wave. And they had an awful year last year where they released a record in uh, the beginning of March and didn't get to tour. So they Bummer. have a lot of touring to kind of catch up on. So when everyone's free and uh, available, we'll probably get back in the studio and bust out some more jams. Awesome. And, are, uh, yeah. Are you guys playing the four chord festival? We, we are not playing the four chord festival anymore. Okay. Uh, there's rescheduled dates we were unable to make. So sucks. Um, I would the original lineup was amazing and I was so excited to play. Yeah, uh, Blink, Rishi, right? Yeah, there was Blink and uh, I think the use is still on it. Yeah. And uh, Rishi ended up getting, I think, Rise Against. Anyway, uh-huh. the new lineup is great too. And my heart goes out to, to Rishi, like any of those promoters that all that that time and energy and money that goes into making something like that and then to have something like a pandemic hit is just fucking tragic. So, so tragic and so hard for everyone. So I'm, I'm happy that he's able to get, you know, some of it back. And I was bummed we didn't get to play, but... Like I said, I, I just want them to, to do well because they're good people that deserve to make a little money. What little money you can make off something like that. Absolutely. So. It's a passion project for Rishi. He's a great guy. I've known him for 20 years. He My is. First, first band, we used to tour and we'd play Pittsburgh and we played with the Space Pimps. So I've known him for a long yeah. time. And people uh, always think that it's this you know thing where they, they make all this money and stuff and they don't. <laughs> but the amount of money they make and all the work that goes into it, you know, you have to love something like that. Absolutely. You have to love doing it first and foremost because it is a very unforgiving and unrewarding <laughs> business to be in. <laughs> yeah, you just got to do the art to do the art, right? I mean, yep. sometimes that's what kind of being in a band is. You know, I'm 37 and we're the same age and there's part of me every day that just wants to start a new band. Yeah. And I know it would just be for me. 
I know it'd just be pure selfish just because it would allow me to get in the studio and create again and do things and play my guitar. But yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. And it's good to have that outlet too. You know, I think it's important to, to happiness in some way to have that outlet because when you don't have that release and stuff, you you know, that's when things like depression like to get a hold. So absolutely. And that's probably one of the reasons I would imagine you experience the benefits, the mental health benefits associated with exercise too, right? Oh yeah. A million percent. You know, yeah. I tire myself out. Same reason I have to take my dog for a walk. You know, if I don't, she's a fucking nut. <laughs> but if I bring her back and she's all tired out, I don't have to deal with it for the rest of the day. She's happy. She just lays on that floor and chews on her toys and she's good. Perfect. That's mental health right there. Absolutely. Yeah. When your dog just sleeps and is cute in the background. <laughs> That's all I needed to do. But yeah, gotta put in the work. <laughs> Well, cool, man. Well, dude, thanks again. I really appreciate it. When I started the podcast, you were one of the first people I wanted to get on here. So again, thanks for doing it and have a wonderful rest of your day. I hope recording's fun and not stressful at all. And uh, it's pretty easy going here. Thanks, man. You too. I appreciate having me on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. And I'll be sure to let you know as soon as I get it up. I've been trying to get them out every Wednesday. So my hope is on Wednesday. Cool. Let me know. I'll pop it out there too. Awesome, dude. Cool. Awesome. Well, dude. Thanks again. Have a good one, okay? Yeah, pleasure. Thanks, Kyle. All right, see you, buddy. Later, brother. All night, cause rest is for the day. So we won't stop. No, we won't stop. Raise your glass high and lift the way it to the road. Stay out all night, cause rest is for the day. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I hope you had a good time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to help the podcast out, if you want to do a massive solid for us here at Having a Blast, if you could just leave us a review, a five-star review would be amazing wherever you listen to podcasts. Or if you just want to recommend this podcast to a friend who might enjoy it. All right. Hope you have a wonderful day. Hope you're having a blast listening to your favorite records. I'll talk to you later. Hey.